You're listening to The Bombad Generals. General? Oh. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Bombad Generals. I'm here with Seth, and we've also got a special guest, LJ, or you might know him from the Discord, Talkpolite. Welcome, LJ. Thank you guys for having me. It's great to be on. Yeah, it's an honor so, to have the head judge for Worlds on. Uh, exactly. As you guys may know, we've got the only the second ever Legion Worlds event coming up here at the end of March. As of March 26th, we will have a new Legion World Champion. So very exciting. LJ is head judge for Worlds, but you know this isn't your first rodeo when it comes to big events. So just a brief uh, rundown of all the things that you've done so far. So you participated as a participant in the first Worlds in 2019. Yep. You were the first player to qualify for the second Worlds with the faction uh, CIS. Yep. Correct. And then that's you as a player. Yeah, did some other stuff, whatever. But as a uh, tournaments guy, you've run four LVOs, which I think still hold the record for the biggest events uh, in person in North America. Yep. You started Invader League, uh, which is the biggest event anywhere, as far as I know right now, happening online, still going strong today, even though you've taken a step back, but you're the, the OG there. And then um, most recently, people probably know you as you know one of the main rules guys on the AMG Legion forum. That all tracks. There you go. And then obviously you've done a lot for tournaments. You know, you did Legion tournament circuit, uh, I believe is under the banner of uh, Team Relentless and, and all that good stuff. You kind of helped coordinate a, a gaggle of TOs. I think that was part of your uh, your work during the pandemic and during the slow time was getting a lot of TOs together and then coordinating terrain and having some mm. terrain that's going around from, from tournament to tournament. So a lot of the logistics stuff that's not really glorious, but really important to keeping things running. Yeah, it keeps uh, really the game alive. Yeah, and yeah. It, you know, it's a it's one of those things that it's a bit of a science and also a lot of art and there's a lot of uh, of techniques and things that you know we picked up from working with other TOs over the last couple of years that have really grown the events to the you know positive awesome happenings that they are today. Are you guys still looking for terrain for the uh, the stockpile if people wanted to you know donate tables or or whatnot? Is oh, there a place yeah. that absolutely they could reach out? Um, so we still uh, collect terrain for the inventory because even though you know we kind of hit our goal of where we wanted to be of 65 tables that travels to all of the frontline gaming events, um, mm. we know that you know now when this inventory starts getting used more consistently, there's going to be wear and tear, and tables will need repair, replacement, and um, you know now that we've hit 65 tables, the next goal is 128 tables, so we can run 256 player events. So, you know, now that we've got that one notch in the belt, now it's time to aim for the next one. And, mm -hmm. you know, we might not need that much space by the next time we run an LVO, but we want to be ready to always hit that next expansion and keep getting bigger and bigger. And so if, you know, you know of a frontline gaming event that happens to be close to you or are willing to, you know, ship it, there are people we can get you in contact with or places they can go so they can make it to frontline uh, in Nevada or they can be, you know, manually brought to um, one of the next events and then added to the inventory as it travels across the country. 
Um, and you know, that's one of the things that it actually convinced me to give some of my own stuff to it. And I absolutely love seeing pictures from an event across the country. And it's like, Hey, that's, um, you know, that's a toy me and my brother hobbied up and is now <laughs> yeah. living on a Legion table that's playing in, you know, Cherokee, <laughs> which is something that happened this, you know, last weekend. So yeah, really, really cool to see it continue to grow and hopefully travel more and more throughout this year. And yeah. If there are people that are willing to continue to help that grow, definitely make sure you get in contact with me because we'd love to have your help. Super yeah, cool. that's a cool, cool feeling. I And the other thing, I guess, too, you do have a, a separate Discord for Legion TOs as well, right? Yeah, we have um, essentially it's like an LTC server. And the whole point of the server is like, hey, there's a channel with resources, both official and unofficial. There's channels to talk about terrain, about judging, about prize support. And so we've kind of collected a motley crew of TOs and knowledgeable people and you know like keegan um for support of the um of game uplink and you know their app this kind of group where if you want to be able to talk tournaments and help grow your local event um, that's something that i encourage you reach out to me and uh, we'll give you the invite for um, there's no other requirement for coming in other than you want to grow tournaments or maybe you uh, make something or sell something that you want to see people give away as prize support at a tournament or you make terrain and you want people to use the, your terrain at their tournaments uh, that's the whole point of that server so it's really just a big you know spider web it's a network it kind of helps people stay together and stay involved and i think once we get past this world and we potentially see the return of store level events across the country you know that kind of rpq style event i believe is going to come back soon i think the resource that this provides will be ready at the right time for you know these events to grow again and have a lot of really special local events um, on top of the really cool convention events that happen yeah i'm really interested to see what happens with those kind of rpq level things right because yeah. last we had it it was before like, I guess technically we had a couple that were post-Clone um, Wars released, but only by a little bit before the pandemic hit. Yeah. So, you know, like, Seth, you, you weren't even in the game, playing the game when the first RPQs were going out, right? Uh, maybe? I'm not, maybe no, well, no. Well, my, I don't know. <laughs> my point is, like, a lot of people have started playing, right? Like, I know, yeah. you know, I've seen two communities since then. Like, I was in Calgary before the pandemic. It's doubled, at least in size. I'm now here in Vancouver, and it's just shooting up, up, up. Like, I feel like it's going to be really easy to hit 20, 30, 40-player RPQs, no problem. And it's going to be really cool to see. But for prospective TOs, that could be a bit of a nightmare if you're not used to that. So, yeah, definitely... Yeah. We wanted to capture a lot of those like people that had never made the leap but could um, run an event and just give them, hey, here's a resource where you can look at or talk to other people um, and make your event the best that it can possibly be. And, you know, it was kind of cool because I think there are a, a lot of like local leaders that either popped up or became, um, you know, larger mid to, you know, convention level event leaders because of that system. And, you know, everybody gets better and the community gets better because of stuff like that. So it's almost never a downside to have a resource like that. No, definitely not. Not. not at all. So let's pivot then. We're talking about just, you know, the little tournaments 
the big the big little tournaments to the biggest tournament of all <laughs> worlds. As we mentioned, you are the uh, head judge for that. So let's start things off with a judging question. What do you think you're going to be called to tables for most at Worlds? What do you think is something that people are getting wrong that if we can tell them, hey, practice this, learn it, it's going to make your guys' life a lot easier? Um, you know, I think one of the things that would make my life easier is if people just made sure they knew the anatomy of the rulebook itself. You know, it is built and structured differently than it was as an RRG. And so to have that player familiarity where we can talk about something and everybody knows where I'm referencing this thing is going to be big because when a judge goes, hey, I found this thing here, you know, there are a lot of those rulings that players are going to remember and they're going to look up later. And then we know we're all speaking off the same sheet of music and it's not something they just made up off the top of their head. Um, as far as a like specific rule in general, you know, I think that calculating cover for our speeder bike units, those are ones that people are still talking about and figuring out, you know, what that looks like and imagining that in their head. Um, I think even though calculating cover might seem easier because a lot of things just get cover now, there were still a lot of cover determinations that I had to make at LVO when I, I walk by a table, somebody call for a judge or, of you know, if you were a 5280 variety, consula would come out of nowhere. And, um, you know, I, I would still have to grab the line laser, put it down just to make sure it did or didn't cross a piece of terrain. And so I think um, the discussion around terrain and cover is probably going to occupy most of my time. And I think if the players, like I said, they're knowledgeable with the anatomy of the rule book and more importantly i think they continue to have really good turn zero discussion where terrain is nominated appropriately as by yeah. the rules that will save a lot of headache because those were the things where you know it's my job to be in that awkward spot and make that call but we can save that pain for everybody if you've talked like hey is this piece of scatter difficult for troopers or not you know i'm gonna make my call on what i be should believe and you know, you want to take care of it before I have to even get involved. And so I think that'll really help um, because I, I believe I'll get a lot of um, judge calls where it'll be like, hey, we didn't talk about this piece of terrain. What is it? And I'm like, you know, OK, let's walk through some basic steps and figure out an agreeable solution for both parties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's something I always find I'm catching myself, especially people who are kind of really used to playing on TTS under the old rules, like a lot of stuff is just it's right there. The tooltip will tell you how to treat the train and you're used to kind of get going, get playing. Uh, but then you're playing with the new rules and you're like, oh, wait a second, we didn't discuss. Impassable. What gets, <laughs> yeah, what's impassable, what's yeah. not. And I think, you know, what I'm going to try to do at the very least is really know my own list and the things I need to bring up for that list, right? So if you've got a saber tank in your list, you know, or like a big vehicle, be ready to say, hey, what can give cover to the saber tank, right? Because people yeah. are going to be nervous. They're going to be um, thinking about the game. So the more that you just know your own stuff so that you can make sure nothing gets missed means that something's not going to bite you in the butt. So I really like what you were saying as well about like knowing the anatomy of the CRB because like I don't. I was so <laughs> used to this to the RRG and it, it works well for how my brain works. So that's that's something I'll be doing over the next month, probably doing another read through just to get the structure down. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think that'll be important. And it, it goes a little hand in hand in it, but, um, you know, I also recommend people just know how to navigate that rules forum. Um, you know, we've been blessed with a system where it's a little easier to push those updates and, you know, I'm fairly certain we'll see another small one before Worlds just to fix a couple more inconsistencies. Nothing that I think would change the way that you play the game, but the kind of thing where it's like, hey, this is the way it's meant to be played. So, you know, now the wording has been changed, so it actually plays that way. And, um, you know, just be familiar with that rulebook change log that will be updated the next time that happens. And, you know, I like to say this every time I jump on anybody's cast know how to on your phone press search go to search by tags and then search by the tag related to the thing you're looking up because as i liked to joke there was one time that somebody was trying to look up something related to ties and they got a thousand results related to x-wing <laughs> because Don't of the it. tie fighter instead yeah. <laughs> of searching by tag tie and finding the two results they were looking for that had to do with, you know, a tie game. So that's that's something too that I think will help people a lot is just be familiar with both those entities because those are the rules that govern your event. And yeah. uh, you know, make sure you know make sure you know the event packet. That's one of those things that is always something I harp upon as an organizer and I'll harp on as the head judge, head counselor, is that you should be intimately familiar with that packet because that is like the, the final word on the schedule and you know with so many people coming from all over the world you need a you know common sheets of music that you can work off of and you know just not messing that up when you've got people that are jet lagged and they've come from all over the place and they're tired because they just played three four games of legion in a row you know that is that is critical and it's one of the lost arts or maybe not lost arts but maybe one of the things that's underappreciated when it comes to event running yeah you don't you you, you want to know that inside and out you don't want to be finding out on saturday that oh i have to play a fourth game now i thought it was going to be three games on Ooh. sunday like that you want to be pacing yourself for sure yeah. yeah and that's a very specific example to bring up why ever would you bring that up <laughs> uh why would i bring that up oh last yeah. year was four rounds but we, we knew uh, that yeah. yeah yeah well i'm hoping to play four rounds on saturday as hopefully. well that's the plan that's yeah. the plan whether it works out or not we'll see now hopefully this isn't news to anybody that's listening but if you are going to worlds and as and it is um we can't actually go as late as we would like on sunday so if you uh make it to the top eight on saturday you're gonna play uh, what we call a shadow round where we cut and only the top eight play one more round so that we have a top four on sunday and we can get out of there before the hall closes and yeah. uh we are going to provide dinner for those people that uh play that fourth round so they don't have to worry about it which, from what I heard, is Portillo's, right? That's what John wants to do. All right. Uh, <laughs> and John's the local, that's, so... That's my motivation right there. <laughs> yeah, we're going to go with what he wants to do because, yeah. uh, you know, trust trust the locals when it comes to food, always. 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 Seth is a former Chicago guy. I am told. Oh. He claims. I, I am. <laughs> <He claims>. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. He might have been making it up. I'm not sure. Exactly. Yeah. That's I funny. Think Anything you want to mention about um, proxies or anything like that? I think 
you know, usually people are pretty used to maybe think, having things a bit looser when it comes to those, but obviously this is Worlds. It's an AMG run event. Um, anything you want to highlight on that side when it comes to what models you can swap in and out or, or proxy this for another thing, especially since we're going to have at least one release, Ventress, very close to the event itself. Yeah. Yeah. So that's actually, I guess I'll work backwards because of that question. One of the things that, you know, it really, it hasn't been a rule for, I want to say like three years now. Um, you know, there is no 11 day rule anymore for new miniature releases. If the miniature is available, you know, in North America, it is legal at use for an event. And so she's she's releasing pretty close, you know, a week, less than a week, it's, it's tight, but enough time for people to turn around and be able to use uh, her at the event if they so choose. And so that's, you know, number one to remember is, hey, anything that's released in the US, um, well, actually, we're, I think the packet does say North America. Anything that's in North America by the time the event starts and consider last chance qualifier and um, the actual world championship to be separate events because they are, um, you, they are legal for, for said event. And so when you're bringing your miniatures and when you're considering what you're gonna do, um, at the end of the day, you consult two things. You consult the Galactic Conquest event rules and you talk to the TO um, because John is going to be the final uh, arbitrator um, and that's the event organizer is um, John Griffin. And if I say John, I'm probably talking about him from now on. Um, he is the one that's making all miniature calls because he's kind of been the one interfacing. Surprisingly, he's been interfacing more with AMG than I have because, you know, what I am involved in is very different than what he's been involved in. And so he, if you ever have a question, I would shoot it to him um, because he's going to be the final approval. What I will go off of and what I'm going to tell people is that, you know, just make sure you're following the rules that are in the, the GC event document, which is that the miniature needs to be easily identifiable as the version of the unit it represents. And that's important for stuff like Wookiees um, or miniatures that have had multiple releases like Darth Vader. Um, if you're going to bring Commander Vader, you should bring Commander Vader. Um, but Commander Vader also has the stipulation of if you bring the special uh, Commander Vader from Star Wars Celebration Chicago, which is ironic in that way, that would also be legal because that's the cards he came with was Commander Vader. Whereas Operative Vader, although a lot of people consider him to be the, you know, the cooler looking version of Vader, is only usable as Operative Vader. And that's like a big one that we've gone back and forth on over the years and we've had a lot of input from developers on you know that rule number two in the miniature section you know or rule number three i should say it should be that miniature um wookies come up a lot you know you should not try to use a unit of shooty wookies as melee wookies that's enough to cause significant confusion when you're talking about you know you're on game 11 <laughs> after a week a full weekend yeah. you know of legion 
it's it's one of those things where you know when you look at it right now just us talking it's like oh those are easily identifiable or i could make that split call but it's another variable that we want to take out of the equation in total so you know it's a little more restrictive than i think you know your local events or your game nights are going to be but you will basically have to have the thing that it is um, at worlds and the same thing goes for your cards the same thing goes for your tokens um, you can customize um, i think almost more than you could before in the token department um, you have to have cards but you could um, use um, custom tokens that is allowable per the galactic conquest event rules um, you know there are essential tokens and they have specific sizes and ways that they should look, but non-essential tokens that you're, and it specifically says they're used to track suppression, wounds, aims, dodges, those can be switched out. So there is some of the customization element to this that is still in there, which I, I think is nice. Um, that kind of old rule of, you know, the base of the miniature has to be official plastic, but you can do whatever you want when you add on to that and whatnot, that is there as well. So a lot of player customization is still in the document and will be perfectly, you know, allowable. But, it, you know, I think a lot of straight replacements like, hey, I want to use, you know, an HK droid instead of IG-88, that probably would not fly at a world's level event. And that's the same thing that they told us four years ago when I went to the first worlds. They yeah. were very serious about no proxies everything needs to be painted to a minimum standard and you know if you have your own custom tokens and stuff if you're on the stream it should not be like easily identifiable on stream so that's another one too because a lot of us have custom tokens and order tokens and stuff like that um you know they they want those at least as far as the stream tables are concerned to be very neutral and maybe not super obvious, you know, so we don't get any trouble with any sort of licensing marketing type individual. Um, so that's actually something that, you know, we will probably help out with as organizers, but I recommend that people bring um, maybe a set of cardboard tokens, or if you have something that's not super branded, maybe you can bring that as a backup in case you are on one of the stream tables. Um, you know, there's a very small number of stream streaming tables that are going to happen. David could probably confirm exactly how many, but, you know, we've never done more than two because doing that is the definition of insanity. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, really, it the that kind of spotlight is going to be on a very small amount of people throughout the weekend. Because if David's streaming three games on Thursday, three games on Friday, four games on Saturday, what, that's 10, 13 games, 12, no, 12 games throughout the weekend. You know, he's streaming 12 or less games throughout the weekend. So that means there's going to be 24 people on stream out of the, you know, 150 people we'll probably see over the weekend very small amount so that's a long way of saying that check the gc rules they are pretty clear don't get too hung up on the wording because it's probably not going to matter for the majority of people's stuff anyway and also don't worry about you know it says like no proxies of any cards are allowed if it's a print and play <laughs> 
that's not a proxy yeah. it was literally distributed for print and play so print and play with it because i've been getting that question a bunch that's one of those like facebook boogeymen that's come up where it's like is this going to be illegal at official events no they literally made it for print to play you'll be fine um yes. and one, one of the other things uh oh go uh, ahead yeah just specifically that's in reference to the battle force command cards like if yeah. you're bringing blizzard you can at your printer at home, print off all the Blizzard command cards you want and run them. Yeah. That's and what it's made for. I will say from a gameplay perspective, because this is something that'll probably fall more in my realm as Consular, is um, 0.5 under miniatures is the size or pose of a customized miniature cannot interfere with gameplay. So that's one of those things too, that if you have something that you think might interfere with gameplay, you want to escalate that now so john has it can put it in a little folder and we have a you know yes these things have already been pre-approved just in case somebody sees and they're like well i'm not sure if that's legal or not you always want that decision to be back on us and not between you guys by the time you finally get to the table yeah yeah, yeah. i think the big thing miniatures if you're not using anything ex except like the exact miniature that came in the box like just never hurts to reach out to John and say, hey, yeah. is this okay? Yep. Because yes, it's going to be more strict and people, some people might not like that, but at the end of the day, it's Worlds. Yeah. And these are going to be tired players and very, for the most part, very, very experienced players who they look at a unit and they know what to expect from a glance. And if it's right. not what it normally is, that that actually does mess mess with their minds. Yeah, yeah. and it, it does help from a judging perspective too, because I, um, as a casual observer of, you know, 64 games happening at the same time, I wanna be able to make game state decisions or determinations rather without having to bug you so you can just focus on playing the game. Um, you know, if I ask you a question and you're in the middle of a game, a lot of players' perceptions can automatically go to the negative because they think I'm asking a question because, oh, did I do something wrong? Is that why you're asking me a question? Like, it helps for me to be able to make those game state calls without having to ask you a question and things modeled, um, you know, the, the correct way within the usual Legion standards. That's, you know, that really does help me. You know, there are certain things that have always been legal, like, you know, using different weapons on ATRTs or spider droids because you have the upgrade card, that's all you need. But that's also why we display that information in front of us on the table. So again, I can make those quick um, viewings without having to bug you, which at the end of the day is, you know, best on everybody. Yeah. Similarly, under, I believe under the old rules, it did state tokens had to be next to the unit on the battlefield. Has that changed or is that still the same? Um, I don't believe that has changed. I think it's all still by the unit on the battlefield. Um, yeah, as far as I can tell, I don't think any of that has changed. But I don't think, I don't know if that specific verbiage has made it in anywhere. I think it's just the way that the rules are worded, it always speaks of the table and putting it on the board <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. And so I think it's just one of those assumed things. Um, I'm comfortable enough if you make that call between yourself and the opponent 
accepting that, but I think it feeds into exactly what we were talking about. If the stuff is by the units and things are, you know, where I as a player who knows the game can look at it and know the game state without asking a question, it's just going to make everybody's lives easier. Yeah. Yeah. Especially a similar thing. People are tired. People are trying to know the game state at a glance and you're trying to stay on top of the proper game state, right? Like it happens to everyone. We forget a suppression or maybe you are thinking about one thing and you forget to put a wound on a character, right? It's yeah. a lot easier if it's right in front of you, you can both see it than if it, you put it on your cards. Like that's just, I bring it up because it's a big pet peeve of mine, but mm. something to be aware of as people are prepping for worlds, like. No, that's, that's something that's I wish that way. like, you know, I, I actually have not really a gripe, but I guess I have personal feelings on that because this last weekend I played, I was lo very lucky enough to play two events this last weekend. I played Damn. a three round MCP event at a local store and I played a three round skirmish event at a local store. And, you know, playing the two games fairly consistently, it never really dawned on me how critical having that key information by my miniatures on the board was to my decision making process. Yeah. Because, you know, with MCP, it's kosher to put your power and your wounds on the card. You know, they don't really follow the units around, especially because that game is very movement pushing focused. You know, there's a lot more of it. So, you know, it would be a lot more burdensome even though you only have a, a couple units on the board compared to a game of legion so like it really did like underscore that importance to me um just to see like oh i can make these decisions quicker because i didn't have to ask you as much information because it's you know hard to see what's on your cards on the other side of the board and you know as a player my eyes are usually looking at you because we're having a conversation or assessing the board state and you know to be frank not at your crotch where your cards are located as you're standing across the table yeah. I have a very good story from my first lvo about a doubles team that wore um banana hammocks to distract their opponents as they were fighting them so you know just generally as a thing not to be rude i'm always focused on the game state in front of me and i think that goes a long way to helping out with that yeah for sure good good to good to hear i'm not alone and i'm not just some prudish try hard you're not something. yeah oh man yeah and so um, oh go ahead go ahead seth oh i was just gonna move on to the next question yeah exactly yeah uh well speaking of like a favorite like uh, a memorable moment just like the the banana heads <laughs> um gonna get a little, little light-hearted here what are like um what's like one of your favorite memorable um judge call that you have done whether it be your favorite or the most hated <laughs> like something that you just remember you're despised or like you remember and just like man this was a really cool situation i was gonna say if it's one i've d despised i've probably repressed it at this point <laughs> like it's good, probably good. dug yes. so deep that I'm not gonna remember it anymore. Um, it's just drama down there. No, gosh, there's got to be something that I can dig deep and find. I think. I don't know. I feel like it all is. It's also like easy. There's so much that is not difficult or like memorable because a lot of stuff are just, hey, we think this is how we remember it works. Does it work this way? Yeah, move on. 
I mean, there's definitely been like a lot of weird ones. Um, there have been, you know, there was a moment in the the first Adepticon I was at where I was, you know, I was playing, but I was also kind of helping um, where, you know, people wanted to check how deflect worked. And it was like, yep, that's how deflect worked. And it was like, cool, Luke just deflected three wounds back onto Boba Fett and killed him. And I was like, nice. <laughs> so like, you know, it was like, and we were all kind of like, wow, that's awesome. I've never seen that before. Even the person who had happened to. So like, you know, there's, there's definitely a lot of things where I, th I think people just kind of already know how it worked, but because of fatigue, they want like a second opinion. Um, probably, I think a lot of the quote unquote worst ones have been like having to make like that cover call. And it's like, yeah, that unit's in the open, buddy. You know, like those are ones where, you know, and even in today's, you know, frequent covery world this it still happens and we had a situation come up at skirmish this weekend where uh you know it was like oh yeah that unit just got uh just got caught out by a fleet shotgun unit have fun um i think <laughs> actually i do have a funny one i was playing in it but you know i helped with a couple judge calls so the to didn't have to worry about it um where somebody you know did the change of plans on um, on Bane's three pip after it had been divulged, which is like the best of both worlds. And he was a new player, so he didn't realize it. And it was really funny because again, it wasn't a moment where he felt like, oh, I'm dumb, I'm caught out. He was like, oh, you can do that. And his opponent was like, you know, thank you for giving me my card back. And he's like, I'm just glad I could be a homie. <laughs> so that was another example of like a funny one that people, you know, probably don't think about is like, does he get the card back? Yes, he gets the card back, and he got to put his tokens out. Great, but you know the player like learned something from it, was extremely positive about it. So, all all good things for the most That's part. Good. Yeah, the good thing about worlds, I guess, is that speaking of positivity, I, I think the the Legion community is pretty good. You're not going to get too many people salty about bad calls, but mm. as head judge, there's no more appeals when it gets to you, right? You make the judge call, and it is final correct yeah i mean at this point like go. look who else are you gonna ask yeah <laughs> so like you know what if you if you like it or not you say thank you very much judge and move on shake their hand yeah. well and you know that is something that i do um i will hopefully remember to say this during the player comments at adepticon when we're at lcq and at worlds but uh, you know that very much goes into my personal philosophy when i run a staff and judging staffs is um look guys my judges are there to keep things moving they are not there to be right 100% of the time. It's a bonus if they are, and we pick people because they're competent. We don't pick them because, you know, we go out in the street and give out vouchers to go help at this tournament. You know, we, we pick people that we know already are very good at this job. But at the end of the day, I will constantly remind people that your job as a judge is to keep the game state moving. We can stop time, we can look stuff up, we can dig really deep into the weeds and give you that two minute extension or whatever to help make up for the time. But, you know, we need to keep things moving because at the end of the day, we're all on a schedule. And so I wanna remind people of that fact is that while the judges will do their best to get it right, and I guarantee they're gonna get pretty much everything right, 
you know, don't be that person that goes back at the end of the event and gets all huffy and puffy because a ruling was incorrect. You know, that's that that is why there is an appeal process because we're humans and we make mistakes. But I also don't want that to be the crux of why I lost worlds because that gets away from the 90 other decisions you made leading up to that moment that also affected the game state. You know, there's no such thing as a perfect game of Legion, and nothing underscores that for me more than, you know, hearkening back to the first worlds when Kingsley and Luke, two very well known, very competent players, set up range three away from each other on long march because both of them somehow mismeasured their deployment zones. You, go. <laughs> you know, like that's a Two thing that happened in the first world. Okay. Uh, and, you know, yeah, one of them ended up being the forever champion. We um we all know that judge calls isn't what loses you worlds. It's a yeah. couple bad dice rolls is what's gonna cost cost me worlds personally. You're not nothing, a bad player. Yeah. Nothing you to have do bad with dice. me. No, 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 no. Not me or my list building or any no. of the decisions. It's just it's Blame just the dice. dice. Yeah. yeah. And you know, we like I said, I I have the confidence that the crew that's actually assembled, they're they're going to do the best job that they can, and they're picked because they're all competent, and knowledgeable on the rules. But you know, the flip side of that is our life is a lot easier because we're judging for the Legion community. Um, you know, telling more old stories and you know things around the fire pit. That first Adepticon in 2019, I still remember to this day two players that in the middle of their final turn with, um, you know, whoever wins gets uh, gets that uh, invite to the last chance or from the last chance qualifier to high command stopped to explain the game to two people that walked by and were asking what was going on at this tournament. They full stopped their game to explain to these people kindly and excellently what was happening in their game of Star Wars Legion, smiled, shook their hands, and then finished the game. And I'll just, I'll never forget yep, that. And that's that. the kind of community we have. It's pretty yeah. cool. People like Star Wars. Like, yeah. Star Wars is pretty great. People do yeah. like Star Wars. Star Wars is pretty great. We've talked a lot about the nitty gritty. What is something, LJ, that you're looking forward to that you feel is going to set worlds apart from your normal, you know, every month we've got a big tournament going on. What's something that's going to make worlds special for you? Um, I think that probably the AMG representation is going to be pretty big at this one. Um, I think a lot of the people that you've seen on stream over the last couple of years um, are going to make, you know, physical appearances. Um, you'll probably get to see some people that you, um, you know, might have not wanted to see before. Like, it's like, oh, I've never wanted to see Dallas, but man, I've met him and now I feel like he would probably win in a back alley fight. Like, that's how I felt after uh -oh. meeting him at Celebration. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I think there's like, it'll just, it'll be cool to see a lot of the people that develop and make the games that we like to play because we've done a lot of things out you know not in person we've done a lot of things online and we've seen a lot of streams and to have you know the community of competitive players all in one place or at least a good chunk of them and to be at this high level event and to just be totally immersed in that tournament environment with the people that make the game 
is in itself kind of its own experience that I think is very unique and is not something you get at, you know, a, a standard event and even a lot of these convention level events. Um, Adepticon for me was truly just like a mecca of, you know, a thing that I wanted to go to and had never been able to go to before that first event. And so, you know, if you've never been it definitely feels like it, it feels big and it is big huge vendor hall so many games going on you'll walk around and be like man i did not know this game had a community i did not know they ran tournaments for this game and you know you'll see things like that that will i think um, you know maybe not amaze you but it will definitely wow you and you know you're gonna get to see uh, and probably hopefully do demos for all sorts of games obviously shatterpoint will be one of the big ones that our community i think will want to check out but you know there are a lot of others that will pop up and that aren't amg or star wars related and it really does feel like it feels like a bit of a spectacle on top of that top tier competitive event that you're expecting to that you're expecting to enjoy yeah for sure i remember the very first tournament i got to go to was lvo 2020 and just like luke um or no, not Luke. It was it was Alex Davy was there, and that was just like this is really cool and, and feels pretty special and different. Like just having those people, I, I like that answer a lot. But also the big streaming stages, it just makes you feel mm. like the game you're playing is a big deal. You walk <laughs> in and you see like the, the, the streaming stage. setups going yeah. on. Yeah, I'm yeah. interested to see exactly how the layout of that ends up this time because I know I know David was talking about how that uh, giant stage, while cool, was moderately inconvenient, <laughs> is my understanding. Um, but there's definitely, yeah, there's like a grandeur to that that you don't necessarily get elsewhere, which is always always super neat. And I think. Uh, all of the games are going to be streamed by somebody and we're all in the same big area x-wing <laughs> armada legion marvel crisis protocol and i assume the shatterpoint demos we're all in the same hall together and so you know if you um were at lvo and you saw like what that hall was like it's gonna be bigger than that because there's gonna be even more people playing and it is gonna be insane having all of these world championships together in the same hall because you know adepticon is not the world champs for a lot of game systems it's just another big event for a lot of game systems um it's it's like the grand champs of painting for uh 40k mm -hmm. because that's golden demon territory and for the amg stuff it's really become you know, you know your big end of the year event uh, or end of season event i should say because obviously it's in march so yeah i think there's for our corner of the community it really is uh, a special occasion awesome i think that's what what more can you say after that yeah like it's great <laughs> If, uh, if you're not hyped for it get hyped now yeah get hyped so. oh and you know actually <laughs> i really can't uh forget to mention too the um the oh. international presence is really big at oh, Adepticon yeah. too. Yeah. Um, we were very lucky to have, you know, people come from over the border, obviously, you know, yourself, Matt, 
and you know dave grant came from the uk and they're you know not the only two obviously but you know there are a lot of international folks that are that are going to be making um appearances at adepticon and um that was one of the things that i i got to do at my first adepticon was um play one of the uh the aussie guys uh luke who did the uh they were the armada podcast but they all started doing the legion stuff oh um master of the force luke yeah, that one? Uh, like the, I got yeah, to play yeah, him yeah. at the, my first Adepticon. He was, he, it was him and I that we were battling for the, uh, the, the invite at uh, last chance qualifier. So Ooh. I, I knocked, I knocked him out. <laughs> nice. That is the thing. The first worlds, just by the structure of it, was, it was very tough for international people to make it because it was kind of like there's a few tournaments feeding into one another so it and obviously it ended up with a top eight all from the u.s as far as i'm aware so mm -hmm. like yeah having a world that actually feels like a world is going to be really yeah. really cool yeah i think this one will feel more like a world's for sure than the last mm -hmm. one did absolutely i actually wouldn't be us. uh I, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, somebody, you know, international to North America took home the W because, you know, we're there are certain things in other metas that, you know, we're not ready for, <laughs> I think. So we'll see. We'll see. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on, LJ. Yeah, thank you, LJ. Absolutely, we'll guys. I'm uh, looking forward to it. Uh, I hope that people are getting hyped. Uh, there's, I mean, there's really not much to do right now except just kind of get ready. Um, we know that there's not going to be a major, uh, you know, points or data update before Worlds. Um, you know, AMG made that clear, which I think made everybody's planning a lot easier because they know what to, sure. what's going to be out there by the time yep. we get to Worlds. So that was good. And, uh, you know, like I hinted at, I wouldn't be surprised if there was another small wording update in the RG, but or the CRB. But you know, the board is set, the pieces are moving. Um, we'll have a packet update out here in the next week or two with the uh, with the game uplink link, because we are uh, game uplink has been blessed off, so we are officially going to use that for LCQ and Worlds. And uh, you know, just be prepared in the next week or two to hopefully hear a lot more information on uh, when your lists are due and uh, all that last minute coordination required before we uh, before we roll dice it'll be here before we know it yeah absolutely <laughs> like, yeah less Alrighty. than a month there we go well get ready for it people read that rule book uh, <laughs> join that TO discord if you're yep. looking to, to run your own local events you know, make terrain for the uh, the the boxes so we can have those uh, 256 player tournaments, all that good stuff. So keep it up and stay gungan. This has been the Bomb Bad Generals. Listening to Bomb Bad Generals is not scientifically proven to make you a better Legion player. Side effects may include bad dice rolls, misfigures, aim losses, bankruptcy, divorce, vomiting, and sudden death. Ask your doctor if Bomb Bad Generals is right for you.